Chapter 2 Vietnam, the Advisory Years to 1965 by Robert Futrell and Martin Blumenson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 2 Part 2 The Eisenhower Years Dien Bien Phu Early in his administration, President Eisenhower decided that three actions were necessary for French success in Indochina. France had to give greater reality to Vietnamese nationalistic aspirations, and thereby deny the Viet Minh their claim of struggling for independence. With the Vietnamese people thus allowed a greater stake in their destiny, the French had to place more reliance on indigenous military forces, requiring better equipment and training facilities. Finally, the free world had to furnish more assistance to France, which alone was carrying on what appeared to be an international struggle. In March 1953, Secretary of State John Foster Dulles advised French authorities that the United States would enlarge its fiscal support if France framed an acceptable plan for resolving the war. Before the French government could make a detailed response, the Viet Minh launched another offensive in western Tonkin in April 1953, moved into Laos, and threatened Thailand. A NATO Foreign Ministers' Conference was in progress in Paris, and French officials asked Dulles for the loan of C-119 transports to lift tanks and other heavy equipment into Laos. Although Eisenhower was unwilling to employ U.S. Air Force crews on these combat missions, he agreed to lend the planes if civil air transport contract crews from Taiwan flew them. These arrangements made, FEAF received the order to provide the aircraft. In May, U.S. Air Force crews flew six C-119s to Nha Trang, where contract pilots took them to Cat Bai Airfield near Haiphong. The 24th Air Depot Wing sent a supporting maintenance and supply detachment to Cat Bai, and then to Gia Lam Airfield near Hanoi. The aircraft and detachment withdrew from Vietnam late in July after satisfying the requirement. General Henri Eugene Navarre, a new commander-in-chief, arrived in Vietnam in May 1953 with instructions to defeat the Viet Minh and bring the war to a close in conformance with American provisos. Navarre drew a plan to use mobile strike forces against main enemy units. He hoped to expand support, heighten cooperation among ground, naval, and air forces, secure fresh reinforcements from France, and improve Vietnamese forces. He proposed to lure the Viet Minh into open battle, break up their main forces by 1955, and reduce them to a low level of guerrilla warfare that for the most part indigenous troops could contain to help navarre and incidentally to observe the local conditions an american joint military mission headed by army lieutenant general john w o'daniel and including major general chester e mccarty 
commander of feaf's 315th air division combat cargo reached saigon on june 20. o'daniel was favorably impressed with navarre's plan so was mccarty because of the personnel shortages in french air force indochina mccarty noted deliveries of more u s aircraft without air and maintenance crews made little sense navarre wanted extra paratroop lift capacity and mccarty proposed to lend the french c one nineteens the planes could be dispatched to cat by a day before a planned operation flown in combat by french crews and returned to clark air base for maintenance the commander of french air force indochina rejected the c-119s instead he requested mag in august nineteen fifty three to supply twenty five c forty sevens plus necessary equipment by october first pulled out of units in the united states these aircraft were delivered to vietnam in december the armistice in korea signed on july twenty seventh nineteen fifty three raised the possibility of greater support not only by the united states for the french but by communist china for the viet minh as well american officials nevertheless believed in the efficacy of navarre's plan when the french government in september agreed to the eventual independence of vietnam the united states promised to make available in addition to the assistance funds already committed to the french and the associated states of vietnam cambodia and laos three hundred and five million dollars by the end of nineteen fifty four in march nineteen fifty four the united states would offer to boost the amount and to reimburse france up to seven hundred and eighty five million dollars for expenditures in indochina during calendar year nineteen fifty four in vietnam navarre said he would keep general trapnell and mag informed of operational plans and not limit their function simply to handling material requests expecting mag to play a larger role in assisting the french secretary of defense charles e wilson in january nineteen fifty four augmented the air force section from seven officers and eight airmen to thirty officers and thirty-five airmen yet despite public announcements in washington of all-out american support may continued to have little influence on french activities may complained as other bodies with similar missions elsewhere normally noted that the french were reluctant to accept advice they generally expected the united states to deliver everything requested regardless of their ability to use or to maintain it starting his operation in the fall of nineteen fifty three general navarre focused on the plain of dien bien phu located in northwest tonkin and near the border of laos it controlled the main road between the two regions a strongly fortified air and ground base at dien bien phu would re-establish french authority in the area and block viet minh incursions into the neighboring kingdom paratroopers jumped onto an airstrip at dien bien phu on november twenty and began to fortify the area they needed heavy equipment including large quantities of barbed wire on december five 
FEAF started to ferry 315th Air Division C-119s to Katby Airfield for further flight by French military or by civilian contract crews. At Katby, a detachment of the 483rd Troop Carrier Wing, the 8081st Aerial Resupply Unit, and a provisional maintenance squadron of the Far East Air Force Logistic Force supported from 12 to 22 C-119s at any given time. As Navarre developed an enclave in northwestern Tonkin, he had to weaken the French defenses of Hanoi and Haiphong. In December 1953 and in January 1954, Viet Minh attacks threatened French security in those cities. Even more serious was a growing Viet Minh concentration around Dien Bien Phu. The American government noted the dangers, and Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Affairs, Frank C. Nash, directed the military services to give the highest priority to the mutual assistance program, without regard to funding. On January 16, 1954, President Eisenhower instructed Defense Secretary Wilson to report to him all that could be done to help the French without actually committing U.S. forces to combat. To permit the French to counter Viet Minh incursions into Laos, six long-range B-26s arrived in Indochina in January. When the French then requested 22 more, 10 to offset attrition and 12 to augment bombing capabilities, Assistant Secretary Nash on January 29 resolved to provide them, even if they had to come from operational U.S. Air Force squadrons in the Far East. Notified of the decision, FEAF ferried 16 of its planes from Japan to Clark Air Base, where French markings were painted on then delivered them to Terrain in mid-February. These aircraft remained on loan until 16 B-26s and 3 RB-26s, funded by the Mutual Defense Assistance Program, could reach Indochina later in February and March. Despite talk of getting additional aviation personnel from France and of using Vietnamese to augment French service troops, the French air units remained approximately one-fourth undermanned. FEAF received instructions on January 31 to organize for duty in Vietnam several provisional C-47 and B-26 maintenance and supply units with a composite strength of some 300 men. Brigadier General Albert G. Hewitt, commander of Far East Air Logistics Force, arrived in Saigon on February 2, 1954, and established a B-26 detachment at Turenk and a C-47 detachment at Doson Airfield near Haiphong. Three days later, the members of this highly classified undertaking began to be airlifted in. President Eisenhower informed the American public that some airplane mechanics who would not get touched by combat had been sent to Vietnam. Support of the French bothered General Otto P. Weyland, FEAF commanding general, because furnishing U.S. Air Force personnel hampered his own combat readiness, 
he preferred the french to receive american funds for contract maintenance traveling to vietnam early in february general wayland gained the impression that the french problems were primarily political and psychological the vietnamese disliked the french and served poorly under them more serious the vietnamese laborers who worked at the hanoi airfields by day might well be joining the viet minh at night as growing communist forces gathered around dien bien phu and cut the surface routes to the garrison general navarre airlifted new french and vietnamese troops into the airfield by mid-january nineteen fifty four air supply required twenty c one nineteen and fifty c forty seven sorties each day the security of this airlift seemed threatened when radio interceptors reported viet minh stockpiling of thirty seven millimeter rapid fire soviet made anti-aircraft aa artillery ammunition nearby at the request of the army attache in saigon two feaf experts in anti-aircraft warfare captains robert m lloyd and robert w hicks visited vietnam between january sixteen and february five they warned that thirty seven millimeter guns sighted along the limited air approaches to dien bien phu would have considerable success against low-flying transports but after studying aerial photographs the officers concluded that the french had exaggerated the threat there were no enemy thirty seven millimeter guns in the area president eisenhower was apprehensive that the viet minh would overrun the troops besieged in the isolated fortress of dien bien phu but navarre remained optimistic the position was attracting a large part of the viet minh military forces and if they attacked the french would inflict heavy casualties on them the report of the american anti-aircraft artillery experts was reassuring french minister of defense rene plevin and armed forces chief of staff lieutenant-general paul h r eli visited the site in february and were impressed with the strength of the defenses general o'daniel enthusiastically reported the land garrison able to withstand any attack that the viet minh would launch at present the u s air force directorate of intelligence decided in march nineteen fifty four that ho chi minh would be stupid to attack and take heavy losses when hit and run tactics were so much more effective in talks completed on february eighteenth nineteen fifty four france the united states great britain and the soviet union agreed to discuss political solutions for korea and indochina at a conference to be held in geneva on april twenty sixth secretary of state dulles had opposed setting a specific date for further international negotiations arguing that a fixed time would tempt ho chi minh into a spectacular operation his concern was prophetic ho sought an all-out victory at dien bien phu chinese advisers had trained and equipped viet minh artillery and anti-aircraft units disassembled weapons brought in on the backs of human carriers 
had been reassembled and placed in positions concealed under heavy vegetation in the hills surrounding the french garrison artillery pieces included seventy five and one hundred and five millimeter howitzers the latter of american manufacture that had been captured in korea among the anti-aircraft arms were soviet-made thirty-seven millimeter automatic weapons and twelve point seven millimeter heavy machine guns the one hundred mile road was opened to a major depot on the chinese border and a fleet of one thousand trucks arriving from china assured sufficient shells for a high rate of fire before the viet minh launched their attack against dien bien phu guerrillas struck at gia lam and cat bai airfields inside the hanoi haiphong perimeter on the night of march third infiltrators used plastic explosions to damage or destroy ten civil transport aircraft at gia lam three nights later at cat bai guerrillas destroyed one b twenty six and six moraine five hundred crickets and damaged three parked b-26s the attack against dien bien phu began on march ten with shelling of two airstrips at nightfall on the thirteenth the viet minh mounted massed assaults against outposts although the french dropped two paratroop battalions into dien bien phu on march fourteen and sixteen the viet minh clung to the surrounding hills and sent artillery fire plunging down upon the garrison and airstrips ground support came from all available air units of french air force indochina the french aircraft carrier aeromanches and from some naval patrol airmen flying p b four y two privateers out of cat Bai sorties during the week of march eleventh through seventeen averaged forty three per day on the fourteenth communist gunners closed the principal airstrip at dien bien phu then destroyed seven f eight f's two c forty sevens one c one nineteen four crickets and two h nineteen b helicopters on the ground a b twenty six hit by anti-aircraft fire crashed upon landing at cap Bai. enemy fire the next day downed one f six f and one f eight f that same week flak damaged three f eight f's and one c one nineteen c forty sevens and smaller planes sneaked into the airstrip at night for two weeks to evacuate casualties these missions ceased after an air ambulance was destroyed by artillery on march twenty eight french fighters and light bombers giving direct and close air support to the ground troops had to operate from higher altitudes because of the accurate anti-aircraft fire the crews therefore found it hard to locate and hit dug-in and carefully camouflaged positions since napalm dropped by c forty seven seemed particularly potent the french on march eighteen asked to use feaf c one nineteens for larger napalm drops on moonlit nights while general wayland thought the c one nineteens rather vulnerable for such work he agreed to furnish them 
one plane carrying four thousand gallons of drummed napalm crashed during takeoff at cat Bay on march twenty three nevertheless the french flew some c one nineteen drops with satisfactory results but napalm effective in the rice paddies of the red river delta was less suitable to the canopied and rain-soaked forest around dien bien phu with the major airstrip at dien bien phu closed the one hundred and seventy tons of ammunition and thirty-two of food required each day to sustain the garrison had to be dropped into ever-shrinking zones all military air transports including american c-119s were committed to this resupply even though high altitude drops from eight thousand to ten thousand feet dispersed much cargo into viet minh territory drops from three thousand to four thousand feet were impossible because of the thirty seven millimeter anti-aircraft fire supplies in lieu of aircraft and crew were sacrificed and one-half to two-thirds of the items fell into enemy hands president eisenhower seriously considered a direct u s military intervention but judging adequate ground forces to be already engaged he was reluctant to commit american ground troops in southeast asia or to employ air units squarely in support of the french he was unwilling to authorize stronger u s measures unless a coalition of powers including britain in particular gave moral meaning to such an undertaking talk of using american air and naval forces to support the french prompted vice chief of staff general thomas d white to direct a study on how best to employ the air force in indochina army chief of staff general matthew b ridgeway dispatched a team of officers including major general james m gavin to vietnam to gather facts on a possible ground force commitment president eisenhower noting that general trapnell was due for rotation directed that general o'daniel an experienced combat commander who still visited indochina periodically be assigned as chief of mag in washington on march twenty french general eli met with president eisenhower secretary of state dulles and chairman of the joint chiefs of staff admiral arthur w radford u s navy who was gravely and sympathetically concerned about the situation eisenhower directed radford to give the french whatever materials they requested he was speaking of logistic assistance but eli had the impression that much more was involved in the offer dulles reiterated the position that overt u s participation in the war would depend on french willingness to expand the training of indigenous forces and to give ultimate independence to the associated states radford was more encouraging he spoke of direct u s intervention by sixty b twenty nine bombers escorted by one hundred and fifty carrier aircraft of the seventh fleet against the viet minh at dien bien phu in paris eli reported radford's personal assurance of naval air support if the situation required it 
the french government on march twenty nine then sent colonel raymond brohon to vietnam to see if american intervention was needed to save dien bien phu in hanoi brohon told general navarre of possible american airstrikes at first feeling that they might trigger overt chinese intervention navarre informed general eli on the night of april three that direct american action might have a decisive effect particularly if it comes before the next viet minh assault the viet minh had already launched a massed attack on the evening of march thirty and were about to mount another on the night of april four they seemed to be taking heavy casualties on the third of april in paris the french government asked the united states to fly two battalions of french paratroopers and some naval personnel from france to vietnam the americans agreed and set the first airlift for the fifteenth alerted on april three to assume the mission the united states air forces in europe planned to use c-119s of the three hundred and twenty second air division combat cargo on the sixth however prime minister jawaharo nero refused to permit flights over india even though the troops transported would be unarmed and dressed in civilian clothes air force headquarters accordingly directed the sixty second true carrier wing to deploy c-124s from larson air force base washington on april twenty six c one twenty fours picked up five hundred and fourteen passengers in paris and tunis and travelled to vietnam with intermediate refueling stops in libya egypt saudi arabia pakistan ceylon and thailand the planes landed at touraine on the twenty third a second lift of five c-124s departed marseilles with four hundred and fifty two passengers on may five followed much the same route and arrived at touraine on the eighth meanwhile at midnight on april fourth premier joseph laniel asked ambassador c douglas dillon for strikes by navy carrier pilots against viet minh artillery around the besieged french forces as an alternative he requested the immediate loan of ten to twenty b-29s these to be maintained by u s air force personnel and flown by french crews secretary dulles had earlier spoken of the determination of the united states to resist chinese aggression in a speech to the overseas press club in washington on march twenty nine he expressed strong opposition by whatever means against the extension of communist power into southeast asia British Foreign Secretary Anthony Eden wanted to be sure exactly what Dulles meant, for Eden thought it useless to encourage the French in an adventure that would succeed only with more than limited military assistance. Accordingly, the British ambassador, Roger M. Makins, informed Dulles that his government believed the French situation in Indochina to be beyond salvage it was therefore important he said to refrain from jeopardizing the negotiations to be held in geneva secretary dulles admiral radford and deputy secretary of defense roger m kyes 
on april three briefed a select group of congressional leaders the latter made it clear that the congress would support no unilateral u s intervention in indochina unless three conditions were met unified action by the non-communist nations in southeast asia and by the united kingdom complete independence to be granted to the associated states and continuation by the french of their military effort on the same scale after other nations entered the conflict because congressional support for u s air and naval assistance to france depended on a british alignment president eisenhower wrote prime minister winston churchill a personal letter on april four churchill's response three days later indicated little enthusiasm for involvement on april five dulles had revealed in testimony before the house affairs committee that the chinese were coming awfully close to avert military intervention this he said eisenhower would not countenance yet given the british position the united states on the sixth informed france that other circumstances were necessary for a direct american role in vietnam on the same day general nathan f twining air force chief of staff recommended against lending b twenty nine aircraft for two reasons the french had little ability to operate the planes and none to support them suitable targets for the large bombers were absent general navarre informed paris on april seven that he lacked french flight crews to man borrowed b twenty nines furthermore without fighter escorts the b-29s might be shot down if the chinese sent in mig jets convinced of indochina's major importance to the free world president eisenhower on the seventh explained to the press why he thought so the surrender of any free people to communism he said was inimical to freedom everywhere the loss of vietnam would expose other nations in southeast asia to communist aggression Quote, you have a row of dominoes set up you knock over the first one and what will happen to the last one is the certainty it will go over very quickly End quote. american military studies were far from optimistic about the prospect of employing u s combat forces to support the french the f e a f staff paper stressed the point that the french still followed an arrogant colonial policy and had so alienated native loyalties as to make a military solution probably impossible besides rigid ceilings on french military manpower and a reluctance to develop native forces had dashed what hopes there might have been to deal with the viet minh militarily more specifically the french had failed to exploit their planes fully for they had neither interdicted enemy supply routes nor properly used air strikes against the hostile concentrations ringing the fortress a U.S. Air Force staff study concluded that air power would contribute to the efforts of land forces, but several factors would seriously inhibit air effectiveness. Cited were the character of the ground operations, the terrain, the weather, 
the absence among the indigenous population of a will to fight the general scarcity of good air targets and the want of target information the army fact-finding team headed by general gavin reported that eight u s divisions plus thirty-five engineer battalions would have to fight in the hanoi delta and possibly seize hainan island because southeast asia had no good ports airfields and land communications support requirements were tremendous we finally decided when we were all through gavin said later that what we were talking about doing was going to war with red china under conditions that were appallingly disadvantageous ridgeway sent the report to president eisenhower who was struck by the enormity of the requirements posited yet u s military commanders in the far east tried to furnish all out logistic support to the french even drawing equipment from american units general earl e partridge who assumed command of far east air forces on march twenty sixth nineteen fifty four directed full prompt and effective action thus when the french high commissioner asked ambassador heath early in april for eighteen c forty sevens to replace losses the planes were flown from japan to Touraine on april nine and placed on loan when the french wanted twenty five b twenty six b aircraft these two were provided other expedited deliveries included h nineteen helicopters taken from marine corps units in the far east l twenty liaison aircraft from the air force and twelve f eight f replacement aircraft diverted from thailand commitments the carrier saipan brought twenty five f four u corsair fighters to terrain to augment the f six f's aboard the aromanches while feaf sent large air shipments of munitions paraflares and white phosphorus bombs large deliveries of heavier ordnance came by surface vessels loaded in korea and okinawa major general jacob e smart feaf deputy for operations offered the french on april seven the hail lazy dog munitions stored in japan these small finned bullets had been manufactured for anti-personnel missions during the korean war but had never been used in combat with eleven thousand two hundred of the missiles packed in a cluster adapter about the size and weight of a five hundred pound bomb the tactic was to drop the clusters from fifteen thousand feet and burst them at five thousand feet this allowed the finned bullets to gain lethal velocity as they approached the ground. Five million of these small missiles in 500 cluster adapters arrived at Haiphong on April 16, but the ship was delayed on berthing and did not unload until the 23rd. When the shipment was unpacked, about half the missiles were corroded and many had damaged fins that affected their ballistic flight two feaf technical experts lieutenant colonel william b sanders and major robert v prouty urged the french to employ the finned bullets in a fairly large strike against enemy personnel the french however preferred to use them against anti-aircraft artillery emplacements 
four PB4Y2 aircraft, each carrying 12 cluster units, opened the attack and through May 2 dropped 227 units. B26s dropped 132. Though Sanders and Prouty were unable to obtain concrete evaluations of results, the French appeared to be happy with circumstantial evidence. On April 30 and May 1, the missile bombs were extensively employed in conjunction with air resupply missions, and on these dates, C-119 crews reported less anti-aircraft fire than usual. Perhaps more indicative, the Viet Minh dispersed their anti-aircraft batteries. To Sanders it seemed that the finned bullet attacks were successful, but only due to volume rather than good delivery tactics. When Generals Partridge and Smart visited Vietnam during April 14 through 18, General Navarre asked whether B-29 operations were feasible. On his way home, Partridge radioed Brigadier General Joseph D.C. Caldera, commander of the FEAF Bomber Command Provisional, to meet him at Hanada Airport in Tokyo. There, Partridge told Caldara of Navarre's request. According to Navarre, B-29 operations had been cleared through diplomatic channels. Partridge had received no such directive. In any case, Caldara was to go to Vietnam and see whether B-29s would be effective. If so, and B-29 flights were authorized, Caldara would have complete operational control. Partridge wanted him to employ his force as a total unit under mass strike conditions. Leaving Japan on the following day, Caldara flew to Saigon. After conferring with Robert McClintock, charge d'affaires at the American Embassy, and with French officials, Caldara received an intelligence briefing. He then flew over Dien Bien Phu. He concluded there were no true B-29 targets. But if B-29s were the only aircraft that can put the required tonnage on the roads and supply areas, we can do the job if directed. The monsoon weather had set in, limiting visual bombing. Hence, bombing by shoron radar or by airborne radar would be essential. Believing that B-29 operations could best be mounted from Clark Air Base in the Philippines, General Caldara planned to fly a maximum effort strike with one-tenth second delayed fused 500-pound general-purpose bombs. Navy fighters operating from carriers would escort the bombers. The bombing raid, Caldera later reminisced, could have effectively destroyed the entire enemy force surrounding Dian Bien Phu. This may have been wishful thinking. Although General Navarre repeatedly sought information on the ability of the B-29s to destroy anti-aircraft facilities, he felt that the absence of ground-based radar guidance made a mass strike so close to the camp impossible. He preferred an American airstrike against the major Viet Minh supply base at Thuong Giao, a road junction town about 50 miles northeast of Dien Bien Phu. 
Caldara made a personal aerial reconnaissance of the enemy supply lines from Dien Bien Phu to the Chinese border and presented target information to the French. In Hanoi, he discovered the French possessed more fighter bombers and light bombers than they could use on any given day because of personnel and maintenance restrictions. Finally, Caldara judged a mass bombing by B-29s to be impractical under the conditions. He also informed Partridge, who directed him to return to Japan. Arriving in Paris on April 19, Secretary Dulles learned that the situation at Dien Bien Phu was virtually hopeless. It would be saved only through U.S. air intervention. Dulles suggested to the French government that Generals Navarre and O'Daniel hold an emergency consultation. But on the 23rd, when Navarre asked for an American B-29 airstrike, Dulles told Foreign Minister Georges Bidault that direct U.S. intervention required a prior political basis. Dulles conferred with Admiral Radford when the latter reached Paris, on the evening of april twenty four and they concluded that it was too late for united states action in geneva the following evening foreign secretary anthony eden made it quite clear that the united kingdom opposed direct american air involvement discussion next turned toward a new policy on the basis of a french defeat in northwest tonkin with direct american intervention ruled out the sole hope for continued french resistance at dien bien phu rested on reinforcing the garrison paratroopers flown from france to vietnam in u s air force aircraft offered the prospect of releasing experienced paratrooper battalions in reserve at hanoi nevertheless the dispatch of relief was meaningful only if air transport supply was available navarre dropped small numbers of paratroopers into dien phu on the nights of may three four and five but cancelled another planned drop because of scarce airlift through april and early may french combat aircraft and transports operated under the most severe restrictions of adverse weather and terrain as well as of hostile ground fire as the defensive perimeter at dien phu contracted the drop zone diminished to a diameter of about two thousand yards anti-aircraft weapons sighted on high ridges alongside the drop zone caught aircraft flying through the slot in a murderous crossfire to escape flak c-47s dropped parabundles from ten thousand feet and had to make several passes over the target before they could kick out their complete loads in deference to the ground fire c-119s raised their drop altitude to five thousand feet and dumped their loads quickly in a single pass hardly safe from flak at that height civil air transport pilots complained that the c-47s dropped parabundles through their flights and that escorting flak suppression aircraft were dropping bombs through flight formations these were hazardous conditions for civilian crews whose contracts made no mention of flying in active combat areas 
to increase drop accuracy at 8,000 to 10,000 feet, French airborne technicians devised an ingenious procedure. They used a refueling line to hobble a cargo parachute until it neared the ground. Then an explosive time-relayed fuse cut the line and allowed the parachute to deploy. The device appeared to work and a detachment of the U.S. Army 8081st Quartermaster Airborne Supply and Packaging Company, which loaded C-119s at Cat Bay, adopted the parachute delay apparatus and used it on all C-119 drops during the last two weeks of the Dien Phu campaign. Fragments of a 37mm shell severely injured civil air transport pilot Paul Holden on April 24. His fellow civilians refused to fly to Dien Bien Phu again without adequate combat air support, so French military pilots manned the C-119s. On the 26th, anti-aircraft fire downed one F-6F and two B-26s. Flak suppression missions, including a heavy concentration of hail missiles, flown at the expense of close air support strikes and supply line interdiction, improved the situation. The civilian pilots returned to their planes on the 30th. Breaking a short period of silence, 37mm guns on May 6 scored hits on one C-119 and shot down another, flown by civilian pilot, James B. McGovern. On the 6th, planes delivered 196 tons of supplies to the garrison. What was to be the final Viet Minh assault started that evening. At noon on the 7th, soldiers broke into the heart of the French defenses, and the battle ended several hours later. Ho Chi Minh had scored a decisive victory that coincided with the negotiations in Geneva. Their delegates had failed to reach political agreements on Korea and were about to take up the problem of restoring peace to Indochina. End of section 2